0: dancing for you. <laughs> hey, I love it. You deserve a shimmy. I, it, it,
1: <laughs> what about some jazz hands? I'm just oh, saying. Oh, girl.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's so good to see you. It's good to Yay. see you. Oh, she's got her coffee. We're good to Wait, go. Coffee talk.
1: It, it wasn't going to work this morning if I didn't.
2: <laughs> That's for
1: sure. It's number two, by the way, just saying, because this is a baby cup. <laughs> The real cups are in the dishwasher, and I ain't ran it because social distancing. That's my story. I'm sticking to it.
2: (laughs) That's good. That's good. I guess we should say why LaToya is here. We have a guest with us today. Did you want to introduce her, Amy? Yes.
0: So I met LaToya several years back after overhearing in another room that she did all this stuff. And you know, like when you hear someone who might be better than you, there's that initial feeling of like, oh, whatever. <laughs> but I have learned to take the, oh, whatever, and turn it into, I must know her. I must learn from her. I must be her. I went over and I was like, hi, be my friend. And that's the story. And she said, okay. Yeah. She was like, okay, I will do charity. I will <laughs> <be my friend."> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Not, let's just go ahead and get the, the truth out. I make friends like a five-year-old. It doesn't require <laughs> you to do or be anything except for who you are. So if you want to be friends, I'm game. And we met through a, a mutual friend and uh, who happens to be a romantic. So when I actually met the Amy in person that she actually existed, I was
2: like, yeah, we're going to be friends, girl. Come on, let's do it. Lovely. I love it. Well, Latoya is... A very experienced leader who's been working in the B2B, the business to business sector for many, many years. And she serves on the Florida Consortium of Metropolitan Research Universities leadership team. Woo! Yeah. Mm-mm. That's impressive, doesn't it? And she's traveled all over the world <laughs> teaching people about remote teams, business communication, social selling, women in technology. And she's a finance expert too. She's, she, she does it all. You do it all. Where have you not been? Antarctica. No, I'm just kidding. I'm <laughs> kidding. There, there's some penguins you need to teach.
1: Like, I like the penguin situation. That's a very warm welcome. I, I don't consider myself necessarily an expert, but I am passionate about finances and in particular uh, financial well-being, especially for women. You know, this being passionate about finances for women doesn't always work out well, because you know, sometimes women aren't really all that interested in having conversations and mm-hmm. nothing like clearing a, a cocktail party, like little group
2: talk, like, hey, so what's your stock portfolio look like? And those women don't want to <laughs> talk about it. I think talking about money, and Amy and I have talked about this already, is one of those things that can so quickly turned to shame. Where people judge themselves and in some cases, maybe judge others too, right? Why do you think people don't want to talk about money, Latoya? If you don't have any, that's a, that's a, a,
1: you're starting sort of with a deficiency mindset. I think that that sometimes can be a barrier um, because unless you're independently wealthy or inherited money from your family, we all start like sort of, uh, we all have a starting point. And I think, especially in western culture we have done one or two things really badly we've told people that money is bad mm-hmm. and at the same time we've told money people money's awesome let's like admire the kardashians because their life is real or you know uh, everybody on wall street is a is a liar a thief and a cheat So it's these dual messages and is there a little bit of truth in some of that? Mm, Probably, but for the average person, you kind of have to figure out what you want to do, what what your big vision for your personal life needs to look like. I just don't see how those things are achievable without money. So I I think that's where that comes from though.
0: So I only realized maybe like 15 years ago That it's a game you can participate in and and do really well in if you study how others play the game. So it's like when I learned how to play chess, I was a very little kid and I would just watch my dad play and I needed to play in a controlled environment before I could play against other people. So, you know, I do the computer games. And I lost a lot, but every once in a while, I'd get pretty close to winning and that was pretty exciting. And it's that intimidation factor that shows up for, I think, a lot of women because they were told it's not their game. It's not their game to play. And I felt that way about chess. I was like, oh, this is, I only ever see dudes playing this game. I don't know if I'm smart enough to play this game, but... The great equalizer is just learning the rules. And just because you don't have the game, or you don't have enough to play the game, there's nothing that says you can't learn the rules so that when you're ready to, you can jump in. Latoya, Amy
2: just wants to talk about the Queen's Gambit. That's what. She's oh my talking. God, oh, that's okay. what she's doing right <laughs> it's now. So good,
0: it's, it's in so cute.
1: In <laughs> I haven't started it, but I like all the chess uh, references. And I also like the idea of looking at money like a game. Because that could be seen as a positive, but it's something yeah. that's fun. Um, that's there's starting points and milestones
2: and- You
0: invite play. You in, I think when we invite play into scary things, mm-hmm. we take so much of that like gender-based stigma out of it. And it just becomes like, this is an opportunity for you. Like, yeah, maybe you don't have the advantage because historically women have not had the advantage. But in most homes, who are the people managing the money? Uh, Yeah. And I think
1: that, you know, there's a personal choice in, in how, if you take the money thing out of it, it's like, what are the things that are really important to you? And these things are are either achievable with or without. And I think it's sort of being really intentional about what that means and what I have to do to try to get there. Uh, You know, without that sort of intentionality about it, it doesn't work. And so I'll say like, I I love to like air my dirty laundry about my personal finances because I didn't come at, at it through like my parents. I'm a first generation college graduate and I come from a family of small, like small business owners. So very entrepreneurial people that had small shops or had been in shipping and, and, you know, real estate, um, But again, not super fancy or anything, just, you know, things where you could sort of have a life for yourself. And even with that, I still made a bunch of decisions that just made kind of getting to this vision that I have for my life a little bit harder. So I had a lot of student loans. Even when I got like my big first big girl job, I didn't Mm -hmm. make a plan to start paying them down. As a matter of fact, I went in the absolute opposite direction and I'm like, we're like it's time to live the fabulous life and flossy flossy <laughs> and buy all the things and the purses and yeah y'all are going to uh Paris. I'm coming too where we staying. And so it was unfortunately for me tw- when I, I um I had sort of this vision I was gonna marry this man and an work out. So I had to really take hold of like what where I was financially and I went and met with my my sister's financial planner, who happens to be a really strong, smart woman, um, who had raised two girls on her own, had gone through a a difficult um, first marriage. And when she saw my finances and what I was making at the time, she was like, (laughs) LaToya, (laughs) LaToya, you have everything available to you to be doing better. And you choose to do this. I mean, like, let's just do simple math on the compounding interest on your debt.
2: Wow, that's that's scary when you start doing that. When you start looking at how long is it going to take me to pay this off, and how much am I
0: paying? It's amazing how much being shamed by someone you love.
1: Yeah, I didn't love Jackie at the
0: time. (laughs) Oh,
1: what? what, This was my first time meeting her. Oh, even better.
0: Even I do better. believe,
1: though, that you know <laughs> she had she saw some of herself in me, yeah, and like she s- sort of put aside what a typical financial planner would do because she had had all at, th- at that time. I think maybe five or six years she had been working with my sister. She she just didn't want to see women do what I was doing, which is avoiding it, not doing the bare minimum, and not being able to kind of be really uh, cognizant of what you were doing. And I was interviewing financial planners, by the way. So uh, that conversation led to some crying in the parking lot. And I didn't hire her because I was mad. Um, (laughs) And then I went out and I did hire another financial planner to this day. And now I'm not really happy with him. And I'm just writing out the clock and waiting for us, our agreement to end. But he but, better be listening. <laughs> I hope he isn't because I don't really want to talk to him. Um, and, and not, and, and to be clear, it isn't because he did anything bad. It's that, you know, they're financial planners and then they're financial planners. He mm. is more, he's the kind that you hear about more often than, than not. The people that sell you things or mm. give you advice based on what, Will help their margins and a little less on yours. Yeah. But anyway, that conversation with her put in a fire in me, and I went from having I think I had, when I moved to Florida I had like I don't know some ridiculous number like sixty plus eight thousand dollars or something like that in student loan. Um, and because I had decided I wanted to live the fabulous life, I went out and bought a car and not just a functional one but a nice one. I had been stacking consumer debt because I was doing all these things, and so. But if you do the math, that's a lot of money that I had in debt. And I just got to about the business of it. I was just like, well, I can do anything. I can learn. Just like I learned these sort of habits and I make these decisions, I can make new ones. And for like about four or five years, I legit just every extra dime I had, if it was a promotion and I got many, if I had a tax return, a refund, excuse me, every dime of it. So Mm -hmm. it was just chunks of money that will come in and go right to the student loan uh, people. One of the things I also did too is I
2: consolidated them, which helped. Yeah. Well, let's talk about some, it's because I think what you're saying is really profound. There's this aha that happens, I think at some point in an adult's life, or you hope that it happens, where the light bulb goes off and you think something needs to be done differently. It could be something somebody says to you. It could be something you see in a movie. Or, or you're just driving down the street, and, and you have that aha moment, and you had that aha moment, what are some of those good financial, healthy habits that everyone should practice? And we asked people, we asked our, our many listeners <laughs> questions, what questions do you have about money? And this is one of those uh, questions we got is what are some good, healthy financial habits that everyone should practice? So there were probably some things that you started putting in place at that time. So what are some of those things that we can
0: share with people?
1: And it's one of the things I I do to this day, because everybody's like, you have to have a budget. And I didn't like that. I still, to this day, don't stay within a budget, but I have specific financial thresholds. So I I know to a penny exactly what my expenses are every month. I know the mortgage. I know what my light bill is going to be. I know it to the penny. And they're all automated. So I never miss them. I, I, I pay them on time. Uh, So knowing your expenses, like specifically is important. And then setting some financial thresholds. How much are you spending on groceries? How much are you spending on socializing? Well, in 2020, zero. So you should have some (laughs) extra money, but having a sense of like how much you do and what that means. And so for me, like 2019, I was like, I had a certain dollar amount because I like to go in and meet. But having these, like a real clear, I guess, a summary of how you spend and what's coming in and what's going out, and the same thing for your investments. So, you, if you have an employer-sponsored program, where are you? What are you doing each month to try to, you know, contribute to your your um, retirement program? If you have any kind of brokerage um, or, or stocks or or, or um, investments what are they doing? You know, but having a really clear vision of expenses and what's going in and out. Just, and very simple. Some people use like apps and and whatnot. I'm old school, so I have it literally written down on a Excel chart. I have an Excel chart. Yeah, (laughs) just bar number one. That's, you need to know what those things are, are.
0: So a couple of years ago, I did kind of a deep dive, a deep analysis on an entire year of spending. This can be complicated if you are, if your money is leaving from a lot of different sources. I, by habit, I don't use cash really for anything. Everything goes through one credit card because I like the idea of stacking those reward points. And I pay off the balance, the full balance every month. I don't carry a balance. So that's just like my one rule. So anyway, I exported all of that data into a spreadsheet, and I spent hours categorizing everything and really looking at what are my spending habits. Because I pay my bills, but I if I want to buy something and I can afford it, then I usually do. And I'm very moody, <laughs> so <laughs> I, like I'm a human being. Most human beings have moods, and. So I would look at where's all my money going. It was all going to food, all of it. It was going to sushi. I was eating out with friends. Like anytime I wanted to hang out with friends, I'd be like, oh, let's just go to sushi. And it was a lot. And so there's that impulse to like, shame yourself for like, what
1: you are doing on a daily basis that's accumulating sushi shame okay. so sushi, i, I sushi let's shame. not sh- shame each other. i can't say that <laughs> no that's but a tongue so cluster. so but i didn't this is, this is really important though because I, I feel like if anybody's listening and they go oh lord oh lord jesus she did a whole year yeah there's no way i can do that i want you to say I, we hear you don't <laughs> don't let that be the thing i did i did not do what what Amy did. I just wrote down on, in an Excel chart and actually I wrote it down on a piece of paper first. Um, so I would make sure to capture all the things. Do what, are you spending each month? You can do 30 days. You Mm -hmm. don't have to do, you don't have to do uh, annually at 12 months did it for, for Amy, but for a person who's just getting started, Mm -hmm. write it down right now, you know, how much you're spending on your rent or mortgage. You know what your electricity bill is. And if you don't, you can just
2: go look into your account, but write it down. And you were talking too about intention, Latoya, which I think is important because it's about thinking like, okay, like when Amy was doing that big deep dive, look back at her year of her finances, she also, part of the, oh my gosh, is the misalignment with her priorities. Like is sushi this important to me? And so, thank you for giving us that great example, but like how important is it in this big mix of everything in my life, right? Well,
1: that's that's the thing too. I think that, you know, um, whenever you're going to do something important in life, like you have to get your mind right. So having a, that, that sort of just snapshot of what you're doing each month is a lot easier for people to sort of manage. Um, So this is what I'm doing each month, and here's what I want to do. I want to be able to, you know, buy a house. I want to be able to purchase a car. Um, you know, I want to retire when I'm 55. That's one of mine. Uh, you know, what are the steps that I need to be doing right right mm-hmm. now? It's now 58, but not because of COVID. Um, this was a weird year, so I feel like I lost it like two. But nonetheless, uh, <laughs> what are those big things that you you need to do? And if you are looking to buy a house, if you're looking to um, purchase a car, or um, if you're looking to purchase an investment property, there are things that once you know what you're doing each month that you'll start to go, all right, this is what I'm currently doing. This is what I need to moving forward to kind of get to these things. And it's all small things. It's all small steps, right? So if I want to um, retire at 55, that means I need to be saving, uh, investing, um, more than 25, more than 20% of my income right now. Mm-hmm. If I want to buy a house, right, um, and get the absolute best interest rate, that means I need to get my consumer debt under 10. I need to get my consumer debt as low as possible and get my credit utilization to about 10%. So they're very specific things that you'll, you'll see that
2: you need to do because you have these bigger goals. Can you explain what credit utilization is just for people who may not know? Yeah, it's something that you should get, like. It's one of those metrics
1: um, that it it basically communicates credit worthiness. And um, what what a creditor will do is look at all of your your debt and how much when you look at sort of all of the uh, your credit limits. That's like I guess the easiest way to sort of say.
2: It's like it. available credit.
1: All of your available credit words that are. If you helpful. went, if
2: you went flossy flossy, all of yeah, like exactly.
1: Could... I love it.
2: See how we're connecting?
1: If you put that big number together how much of that is, is consumed in debt? Or how much have you used? Um, and so a good rule of thumb is to keep your credit utilization under 10%. Now, life happens, right? So maybe you had to buy a new, new appliances or something and you're at like, I don't know, 12%. For instance, right now, I'm at, I think, 16%, which is high for me. But I bought a house uh, right at the day at the shutdown, I think it was when I was uh, signing uh, the papers at the, um, the title company. I was like, this is either going to be the dumbest thing or the best thing I've ever done in my life. But I'm not at all bothered by it. I'm, I know, what I'm go- I know how my plan to, to pay it down. And I actually did specific things because of the rewards and, and all of the stuff on, on the cards that I have. But I use my credit really, really intentional uh, in an intentional way because I have these bigger goals.
0: When you do an analysis of all of your expenditures, like where you're spending your money, there can sometimes be like this realization, you know, where you are kind of in shock or you're feeling shame about how you're spending. But I would say flip that and instead look at it like this is giving me insight into what's important in my life so if it's important for me to if eating out is something i really enjoy then i need to make sure i can prioritize what things need that resource and if it means getting a second job or getting a side hustle or something else so that you can still enjoy those things while also keeping, like people think you can't enjoy nice things if you are saving for a big thing. Like there's this deprivation feeling. It's like being on a diet, like being on a financial diet. You can eat whatever you want if you are exercising in the way your body needs. And you're supplementing or you know, supplementing yourself with whatever activity will help you not, you know, be unhealthy, whether that's vitamins or exercise or whatever. I think the same thing is true with spending. If you have a lifestyle that you want to maintain, you need to bring in additional income in order
1: intentional too right because
0: if it's I intentional
1: yeah I think that's the thing that's really important if you see that you spend a lot eating out and going for drinks and stuff that may mean something to you and it may be well very important like I don't want to not hang out with my friends I have a job where I work from home so I don't get to get out a lot this is the one time a week or twice a week that I get to go out and socialize and that just means, but if you know what your expenses are, it means that you can be really like sharp on where you, you know, how much you spend on all these things, because you have a, a, a socializing threshold that you want to kind of stay within, um, because it's important. So it's really, uh, this idea of shaming is is really important, but it can be debilitating if you're not really careful about it. And actually, you know, one of the things that uh, I think has been really helpful is that I talk to anybody who's open to talking about money. It's one of the things that over the last several years as I was really working on my debt and sort of making some s- intentional steps, that's been helpful. And a good friend of mine um, referred uh, recommended a book, and it's called The Tr- The Trance of Scarcity. And that book in and of itself has been more transformative in terms of my financial well-being than any like personal finance book. Mm-hmm. And the book isn't about necessarily about finances. It's really uh, like what Amy was saying is like how you feel about things. And like this idea of shame, like we're, we're very much in a shame culture. Um, mm-hmm. But the fact is shame does not lead to, you can't shame someone out of bad behavior. Yeah. In fact, they just double down and do, do worse. But you can learn, you can change, you can evolve. Certain behaviors, but you have to know what they are, and you have to sort of uh, understand where they came from. You know, yeah. there's some things I don't say anymore. One of the things I used to hear all the time, considering my financial sort of my my background, my mom had was divorced and um, had work was a homemaker, and she, you know, for a, a, a for a time um, when she had when she first went out to work, she would say, "I can't aff- We can't afford certain mm-hmm. things,"
2: mm-hmm. and it
1: was true. It was true, but as an adult, I I took on that things like oh I can't afford that, mm-hmm. oh I can't afford that, and I flipped those words having read the book. In that it's not that I can't afford it, is that I have these goals, yeah, and I I don't I don't see the value in spending on this short term.
0: Making it a choice instead it's of a, a total
1: choice, because I have the money, I can do the thing. But if I do this thing, it means that I can't do this other thing. And it's a slight, like, difference. But your words, your internal dialogue, it means a lot. And so stop telling yourself, I, I, I'm shameful about how much credit card debt I have. Or I have all the student loans. I'll never be able to sort of, you know, make
2: it out of here. It, it's a slight, it's a mindset um, well, shift. Well, it's, it's true. And it's amazing how in our culture, we make money means something else like you were talking about the kardashians earlier if i have this if i have that then that must mean i am this like i i've heard so many times like i am poor rather than i feel poor like that's a very slight shift but it at least starts to separate you from that is not your identity that is not who you are that you know you may be in a time where you have fewer resources And you're thinking about what are your options in life to get more resources. But at the end of the day, I like to think of it as abundance, everything. Like when I think of money, I don't think of it as dollars because I can really relate to what you're saying, Latoya. And I know Amy can too with that growing up of we don't have the money, we don't have the money. I didn't realize how long in my adult life I was living in survival. And I was for a long time living paycheck to paycheck. And a lot of people think that people who are quote unquote poor don't, know how much money they have, don't know what they're spending. I knew every dime I was spending. I knew down, like you said, down to the penny. I knew exactly what I had and I definitely knew what I didn't have. And so sometimes that would lead me to spend money I didn't have in order to feel better about myself. And then of course the shame would follow, right? It took me years before I actually sat down, did what Amy did, similar thing, and actually looked at my con- like total, here's what I owe and here's what I'm spending it on. And I went through years, years of credit card receipts. And it was, it was the biggest wake up call I ever had. And I went to the opposite end. I became monkish in my behavior. <laughs> where it was like, I'm not buying anything. I'm not doing anything. And I spent years just like, I'm eating spaghetti. And the other thing is like, you don't have to do that. And I realize that now. I think that was where I was at. I felt like I had to go. And sometimes the pendulum has to swing in the opposite direction before it comes back to balance. And sometimes that's how life is. But I like this idea of thinking of money and as a resource, as opposed to identifying it so much with yourself and as energy.
1: All money does, it makes you more of who you already are. Like, so if you're a little bit of an ass, get some more money, you'll be a bigger (laughs) one. Uh, But if you have a heart for giving, it'll give you the opportunity to give more. That's all that is. And like I said, like for me, like 2012, this is where I sort of my path to sort of getting some of the debt and all the things out of the way. And at the the midpoint of that time frame, and I'm sharing this not just to talk about myself, because people have this, especially with money, they're like, Oh, it's easy for you because you're so and so. But mm-hmm. it wasn't easy. And like I want I want people to understand like that's really it's not necessarily easy unless you just come into a bunch of money. How does that happen? Doesn't only in movies. But uh, it took me about four years or so of getting, paying down my student loans. At the time I uh, purchased a house. So I had some sense to buy a house during the, when the the market crashed and nobody could get like mortgages. I had enough sense and uh, you know, to, to, to buy then. And actually my house helped me get out of my student loans. Mm. So at the four year mark, I had a, uh, I had moved to Orlando, I was working at a really good job, and then I got laid off. And so um, I, I could either go back to work doing what the corporate thing, or I could do another thing. I decided not to do any of it. But how, how did I do that? Well, over that four-year period, I had been paying down my debt. I had also done what all the financial people, the experts tell you, and to have a just-in-case fund. So I did. And I looked at the one investment that I had made in myself uh, at that time. So I bought my house in 2012. Four years later, it had accessed in value, at a, 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 in such a way that it provided me opportunity. So mm-hmm. I refinanced my house. I took equity out of my house. I took a I cashed out right and paid off the my remaining balance, uh, my remaining debt. So Not, I went from wow. years and years and years of student loans, consumer debt, auto um, mm-hmm. uh, auto debt. To In four years between paying it down and then using what I had at my disposal, which was a, a an investment that had assessed in some value yeah to get me out so I just did like I lost my job I was like, well, I mean this sucks you know whatever but i had I had a plan, and I was making those steps, and just because there was a you know a change in my finances, it didn't mean that I didn't, I, you know, it didn't mean that I had to sort of stop what I was doing. In fact, after I, I got out of that consumer debt, I just kept, kept going. So that money that I used to pay towards the debt, I mean, once I found another job and whatever, then I started stocking away that money in my retirement account. So at work, rather than the one or 2%, you know, what was the max amount that the government says that you can yeah. put in a re- account that's, you know, you, that's, that's ideal and you, it's tax, tax advantage. That's what I did. And each year since then, that's what I've done. So I went from debt,
2: Mm -hmm. you know, a lot
1: of debt and getting rid of it to then really taking advantage of the the tools that I have available to me to increase my personal wealth.
2: Yeah, you've walked through steps, step by step, how to build wealth. I wanted to go back to something that you're saying, because we got a question about this. And I think this is really important. And it's something that I know Amy and I have experienced. I mean, even in the last year. And a lot of people are experiencing now here in 2020, which is life transitions. The question was, you know, what do you do financially when you're going through a major life transition? It could be a new relationship or moving, a job loss, a breakup. So what are some of the things that people need to be thinking about as they're going through life's transitions?
1: That's a, those are lots of different types of life transitions. So I'll try to look at them independently. A job loss is different. Like when, when, if you experience a job loss, the first thing you have to sort of do is look at what you do have right in your, whether it's in your retirement accounts, so if you have a home, how much equity you have in your home, and then what do you have that's liquid? So what do you have in your savings account? What do you have in a, a checking account? And then you make some steps on what will happen. What, what do I need to do for the next several weeks or months until I get another job? there's no getting around a job loss. But I think if you attack it in that way, that it takes the stress out of it because it's frightening. And the piece that I think that's really important is once you do get a a job, if you didn't have a plan for like an emergency finances sort of kind of a plan, make a point to change that. So well, you know, when I lost my job, I had been saving for, I think about three or four years and it, like, so small amounts for the, during that time. So as I was paying down my debt, I had been sucking away money for the day when I would lose my job. That's how like corporate America works in that, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, every year around this time people lose jobs. Why? Because, well, you're trying to manage little books so that shareholders and all the things well, I knew my number would be called one day. And so it wasn't year one, it wasn't year two, it was year five. But wow. in that time, I had been socking away that money. So when I lost my job, it was a lot less stressful for, for me because I know I knew I had this cushion. So if that's not true for you right now, look at what you do have and make your, make your steps. And tell yourself, if I have an apartment or if I have a house, if I have an extra room, that's an opportunity for, maybe to, for me for my short term to maybe get a roommate so I can reduce my expenses. You can do things and would they be things that you would do in normal circumstances? So if you had a full-time job, maybe not. But during this period, you can do them so that it's less stressful and that you can ride it out because you will get out of it. It's, this is a moment in, in time and you have to kind of think about it that way. Now, so for <laughs> divorce, also a (laughs) very different type of transition, (laughs) right? To me, this is a lot of times when women really get down on themselves. And if this is you, I'm sorry uh, that you're going through a really um, difficult time because nobody ever gets married and and thinks they're going to get divorced. But it's the same thing I hate to say as in between, you know, mourning the loss of uh, of a partner, you still have to go see where you are. What debt do you have? individually and together what tools you have in your arsenal that you can sort of grow that's solely yours did you guys have some discussions about what those things were or is this person listed as your beneficiary on your accounts these are the things that immediately are going to be not things that you think about but eventually Mm -hmm. you'll kind of have to so one of
0: my one of my closest friends is going through that right now and one of the interesting things that I think is coming up as she's deep diving into money and expenditures and assets is this idea of identity. You have an identity when you are in that kind of a relationship. And when you come out of it, it changes. So some of the things you acquire during that time may not be part of your identity. And it really is a question of, who are you who do you want to be and do these things reflect that and if they don't that could be an opportunity to let go of some things and accumulate more in resources
1: but so, you have to you have to do the the the, the tiny bit of work and you know yeah. if you need help like you know that's the time to sort of you know get a friend or somebody to help you kind of walk through it because a divorce is a different type of transition it's a moment in time and you can learn from this particular case uh, and move forward. That's the thing to me that's so important. And in these times when everything seems like it's just impossible, like everything is coming at you, the universe provides. But you have to sort of, you know, throw up that flair and and mm-hmm. uh, take some steps forward. And people will show up for you, unless you're a trash human, in which case I'm sorry. <laughs> about, <no>. um.
2: <laughs> well, what about, you know, like we see these romantic Roll, oh on. let me just can we get to that part.
1: It's the <laughs> most ridiculous thing. Like, oh, like a new relationship. So you know what? We we <laughs> all booed up now. Like everything's like let the sunshine come in. I'm rolling in it. What in 2020 really? No. You can have met the man or woman of your dreams, and your financial situation um is still your financial yes. Situation. Yeah. Yes. Thank you for saying so that. If you are if you've met a partner, and a partner is more it has a lot of, you know, things. That's something to be to really be happy about. Um. But you need to still, as a woman, I'm speaking specifically to women, know your personal financial yeah. goals. Know what your financial situation is with or without this person. In fact, at this <laughs> side of life, I'm like. He cute and all, but I don't know if he fits my vision. You know yeah. what I'm saying? That's, I love how that. That's how different things are. And remember, I started down this road at the end of what was a bad. What, yeah. was, what I thought my life was going to be. I, I, I am in Orlando because I thought I was marrying a man. We were moving here. I'm still here. The man is not in Orlando. Wow. And so I want people to understand you can you can come out of a situation and come out on the other side, but you have to sort of mm-hmm. um, take some steps. So if you're going into a new situation, it's important to have a, a clear vision of what your finances are without this person.
0: A question. So do you feel it would be like, what's your feeling about learning about financial wellness do you think it's one of those things where you need an accountability buddy or maybe someone that you can i think that it depends on the person
1: it really does depend on the person but i also want to say one thing about a transition because i feel like there might be somebody getting into a situation with a man right now and and there's like she didn't answer the question um Mm -hmm. it's important in relationships to talk about money yeah Mm. And to understand sort of that person's like perspective on spending or investing because that you have to, you know how they say opposites attract money. Opposites do not stay together. And so Mm. you have to really understand what that person's um, perspective is on money and approach to money and get real about it. Um, And if you don't do that, um, well, God bless you. One because I didn't tell you, but you do.
2: Well, you know, you talk about money and I think a lot of people say that they, you know, they fight about money and they break up over money, but really money is just, it's like a symbol of something else. It's like how you set intentions, how you communicate, how you think about yourself. And I think- Behaviors too. Yes. Yes. Like, you absolutely. Know,
1: like, certain behaviors show are con- consistent. So if you're a person that overindulges, you may overindulge in food. You may overindulge in um, in how you spend. Um, And then when you try to partner with a person that has a much more balanced life, Mm -hmm. those things are completely in misalignment. Mm -hmm. And now I'm not saying that you need to like, okay, cute guy. We've been going out, we've been seeing each other, we understand each other, we dig in each other. This is not the time where you pull out a notebook and start writing down. So, what is your perspective on 401ks? (laughs) That's not what I'm talking about. It's more of having discussions on like that really communicate how you relate to money, how you relate to spending or to investing. And those things come over time, but you have to have the conversations. A lot of people get into relationships, stay, and never have these conversations.
2: Mm-hmm. And for men too that are listening, I think there, sometimes Sometimes men can get in this cycle of purchasing things, buying things, impressing, and then not actually looking at, can I afford this? What, why am I actually doing all this? Is, is this even this person's love language? Is this communicating that love? Are they receiving sure. it in that way?
1: Yeah, or that, you know, sometimes in our society, like we put a lot of pressure on men, like somehow they're just like the Wizard of Oz with money. They just know all the things and some are very good um, at, because they've had, whether it's exposure or some experience, but some are learning just like women are, their partners are. And, but you can be honest about that stuff, but you, you have to have the conversation. Yeah. So it's it's important. Like to me, like partnerships. That's what modern relationships—the ones that are thriving—they're partnerships. Both parties have sort of negotiated what roles they're going to play and their approaches in in, in those partnerships. So you got to do those things.
2: We got a question. You mentioned stocks and portfolio and investment and retirement. This idea of investment. I know some people who are listening might be thinking. I don't have anything to invest, or I don't know how to do that. How important is it to to be investing, and and how does someone do that? You know? It's think it's incredibly important.
1: Uh, I wish somebody would have told me at 18 what I know now at at not 18.
2: <laughs> you can send yourself um, back in time in the Delorean. Yeah, I wish
1: I would have known <laughs> now because, but it's okay. Uh, investing is important, but you know a lot of times people think investing means the stock market. And that's also true. But the question is, is how important is investing. So I just want to be clear. It's incredible. You know, I used to have this thought process then that, you know, you should save. But my current thought process is the only point of saving is to invest. So I suck away that small bits of money each month towards investing. And it's important because I have these big goals. So it's incredibly important. And saving isn't el- enough. I want to be like super clear. It's not, it's not enough to just sock away hundreds and thousands of dollars in a savings account. That's not what you should be doing. You are putting money into a, an investment tool is really, or a savings product is for only one reason, is to grow it. If you're not putting it in a place where it can grow, then it's growing for somebody else. Mm. So if you have a, a savings account and you have thousands of dollars and it's been there for years, each year it's losing value just based on inflation wow. and the bank that has that money, they're using that money to grow their portfolio.
2: Right.
1: <laughs> that, and that, that's not debatable. That's just simple. That's math. Fact. So what you do with your money is really important. I have a, an investment account. Um, but I didn't start there in 2012 so I mentioned before, like it took me several years to sort of pay down my debt and sock away that emergency fund. Well, right around that time, I had, I had, uh, you know, i really been, you know, building my community here in, in Central Florida. And, you know, women have this thing in that we find each other, like minds find each other. And so I started this like secret Facebook group, where, which Amy's a part of. Uh, all we do is talk about money. So it's credit card debt, it's your retirement for portfolios, all the things. And within that group spawned a small group, an investment group. And so for about two years, that group, we meet and we talk. And we use specific principles uh, as we're building our investment portfolio. So Mm -hmm. we're in an investment group, uh, and that group has a portfolio of stocks. And now I have my own uh, brokerage account that, because we vetted the the stocks. We've vetted the companies, actually, I should say, because we're investing in companies, not just stocks. We believe in these companies. We believe in their product portfolio. We believe that as shareholders, they're going to make us some money. I love the stock. So uh, for about two years, we've been in this group together. It took me four years or so to get rid of my debt. And then in two years, I started in that two year period. I invested more aggressively in my employer sponsored programs. Right. So my 403 B because I work for uh, in higher education. And then at the same time, so a very short time after I started really putting money into a brokerage account with my um, with my group members, mm-hmm. so that was two years in, and so is my investment portfolio doing great? Yeah, girls, I'm <laughs> like you know the this whole shutdown, um, the the craziness in the market where it's been up one day and down another. What's happened is all these years and all these mistakes, but all these intentional steps in a certain way. Now I have education. Now I have experience. Now I have a community. Where we're talking about these things, and so Mm. a dip in the market when everything is red is an opportunity for me to go into my little brokerage account and pick up 50 shares of this or 20 shares of that. And so I buy on when when things are on sale now. Yeah, that's the day when the market has been in the pooper for me, (laughs) not what's at the coach um, store, which it used to be. You see the difference, but it didn't. It wasn't shopping.
0: It's it wasn't
1: overnight. I still shop now. Don't get me wrong, yeah. <laughs> but I don't put as much emphasis or as much time in, in, in retail, like therapy, because I have some, I've made some decisions mm-hmm. in, in, in my life. It's been the course of really making some intentional steps. And in some cases, you know, people say sacrifices, but on this side of life, I don't really know if they look at them as sacrifices they were just a part of the thing to get me from where I was to kind of mm-hmm. where where I am now. It was education. And,
0: it was hard huh. on education. Yeah.
1: And even when people say like they were mistakes, I and mean, I guess maybe at some points they were, or if all they were, were were things that had happened to me, then yes, they would have been mistakes. But I took those things and I, I kind of helped, they've kind of helped me sort of put myself in a, a trajectory to sort of move in, in a certain direction. And You just kind of have to keep moving forward and keep talking to people and putting yourself out there and
0: you said something really profound there you you said if all these things if all these were just things that happened to me then they would be mistakes but you took them you gave them meaning you gave them purpose and they gave you drive and because of that you were able to accomplish Amazing things. I think this right there is the story of how people use supposed failures mm-hmm. to launch them upwards. Like you need those in order for you to know how important it is to do well.
1: Yeah, and I and I think if you communicate and if you share and you're honest, I really do believe the universe provides the, the sharing, um, being intentional, and making little steps. I think if you keep moving forward um it'll work out it'll keep working out and not in the end because that sounds final it'll be working out like as you go
0: yeah and
1: some days will be ridiculous it'll just be annoying (laughs) tuesday was annoying this week um yesterday was too but you know maybe monday will be better but it's all these little steps it's all the, the things and women in particular we can do we can do it if you can push a human at your person you can uh, create a financial life <laughs> of your choosing. That's what I, how I feel. I, I don't think there's anything else to say after that. <laughs> I also want to say one thing, because like, I, I don't want to diminish the fact that COVID has happened. Yeah. It was ridiculous. It was hard, and it's still hard for a lot of people. But you know how I kept saying the universal provide? Like, I've heard so many people that it's like, I lost my job back in March. And I just, I had always wanted to start X and I didn't have a choice because I couldn't get my unemployment benefits because all the things. And here in December, they, whether they have opened up a shop or they're selling so-and-sos, it's happening, you know? And like this, this pandemic for some people will begin, that would be the thing that was for me eight years ago um the catalyst like that exactly because words and we have to use them (laughs) we will come through it
2: well thank you for being here with us we appreciate your insights and you sharing your story and i know that that will inspire others to make changes in their life
0: definitely guys this is so fun yeah i'm gonna dance you out now jazz hands everybody
1: everybody